Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Happy. I don't even know. It's oh, I need to give Winston heartworm medicine. <laughs> it's June fifteenth. It's we the can middle. Give it to of him the... later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's today? Uh, yeah, tomorrow or this week is the one year anniversary of Harry Potter Wizards Unite. So I just made a video because yep. we got a task for the brilliant event and it's going to be crazy, hopefully. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be pretty fun for sure. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we get some good story. I'm making, As we know here at Magical Theory, we're big fans of the story. We are big fans of the story. I'm, so I'm making progress also on Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery. Because mm -hmm. remember yesterday I was like, oh my gosh, is, mm -hmm. is that a student? Yeah, you were gasping and stuff a lot. <laughs> but it, was, uh, it wasn't it was as intense as previous uh, story pieces uh -huh, were. So. Uh -huh, without but spoiler. we're still in year six for me. I'm in year six. And uh, some major things happen in year six if you haven't gotten there yet. Major things. <laughs> Uh, but that means that there's only one more year at Hogwarts, so I mean, something has to maybe happen. Maybe you'll fail and uh, have to get held back. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just like quit school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Harry time. style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What else is going on? I mean, that's a lot. That's probably enough. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just rolling out some cool emojis, the Discord. Yeah. The underground. And then this, which we've put off for a little bit. We've been thinking about it. Yeah. I looked at a lot of stuff, but uh, let's just kind of dive into it when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. Once ready. So you can pull out your book, My Harry book. Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily, we don't necessarily have any type of title or synopsis. We're just going to talk about the book as a whole. I played around with like, oh, should we title it like the Chambers of Secrets? Mm -hmm. Chambers of Secret or something like that where you play with the sort of plural here and I was thinking we had talked a little bit and the theme that I came up with was basically let's explore the idea of each individual character or some of these characters as being themselves a chamber of secrets right the whole idea of like a person maintaining secrets uh, within mm -hmm. themselves right and I think it's I think it's incredibly relevant and I'd like to go through like a bunch of characters with you and have a sense of the different ways in which secrets are kept and for different reasons and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think to start with, I'll just monologue for a second about Harry in particular, right? I think that we are meant to understand this story and Harry's uh, evolution through it as a, uh, a struggle within himself, very internal, right? Yeah. The first book is much more external, right? He he finds out basically only good things about himself. Mm. Like he already knew his parents died, mm -hmm. but he thought he was like a pariah and finds out he's a wizard. Mm -hmm. He thought he was alone, finds out he has friends and can make friends. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, you know, abused and now he's loved in many ways. He's learning probably, you know, for the first time. But in this book, it's it's dark. It's dark right away, right? When we find out, for example, that another one of our characters, someone who seems somewhat minor but weird, Dobby, the beginning of the book is keeping secrets from Harry, right? I thought you were talking about Jenny when you said Jenny, someone yeah. really minor <laughs> but weird. Jenny's irrelevant. Yeah, no, yeah Dobby. She's, she's awesome. Uh -huh. Yeah, and just like... It sets the stage, I think, for this book to be like secrets. It's interesting to me that our first episode, 
mm-hmm. of magical theory yes was about secrets yes in the first book yeah right uh-huh well that's why i i thought that it was very intriguing when you mentioned to me that you wanted to talk about this idea of secrets uh chamber of secrets because i do think that from the first book like we talked a lot about lots of things that came up again in book two but book two had a different lens mm-hmm. to it um and it's very much in your face of like uh, things are secret. So we have this magical world, but things are secretive. And individual people are very mysterious indeed. So like Dobby as like one of the first people that we meet that's kind of like, what? what is happening here? Yeah. <laughs> What's your deal? Yeah, like the first book, like if you think about it, a lot of the plot is about the secret of the Philosopher's Stone, that it even exists mm. and that it's in Hogwarts and they have to figure it out. It's a mystery and most of... The Harry Potter series is framed as mystery. So I think it's not surprising that there are secrets, but they're not really internal to Harry. The only time maybe with the mirror where he's kind of struggling with like what is precious to him. But Mm -hmm. this is much different. I mean, in the first book, it doesn't seem like he really is troubled too much. Not too much that the hat tried to put him in Slytherin. Hmm. Right, he just kind well, we of is like this, very defiant. That he's haunted by it. It's something yeah. that has he hasn't, or that's been lingering yeah. in the back of his mind. That, um, and part of it might be because like a year in Hogwarts, interacting with other Slytherin students, being like, "Man, I I'm glad I'm not in Slytherin. Look at these fools over here, mm-hmm. Malfoy, mm-hmm. Crabbe, and Goyle. Like they are hot messes over here, you know. Yeah, and so that like. All he had, literally the only information he had was like, oh, um, there's not a dark wizard who wasn't in Slytherin or whatever the phrasing of it was. That's all he had. He had no context whatsoever, just kind of like, oh, well, these people are immersed in the wizarding world. This is something that maybe has uh, credibility. And then going off of that framing, if that is your baseline, then your future interactions with Slytherin students... Um, perhaps maybe he had some pleasant interactions, but mm-hmm. that doesn't fit. That doesn't reinscribe that mm-hmm. idea of, uh, you know, evil. Not to <laughs> mention that even right before the sorting, Harry does a sorting of his own, right? Because mm-hmm. Malfoy poses to him like, I'll help you tell the good wizards from the bad. And he's like, I can do that for myself. And then he has this confirmation of Slytherin as a bad place because yeah. that's where Malfoy goes. So I think it becomes... It becomes something that, like, because he hasn't spoken it out loud for a year, mm-hmm. and then these events start happening that have to do with the era of Slytherin, it's very quick for him to slip in his own mind to start thinking, like, maybe he has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ask the right people about the fact, or even tell the right people that he can hear voices, or that... He even heard voices in his approach. Why is he always at the scene of these crimes? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a legitimate reason. The more and more that it happens, the more and more that he has to deny that like, there was any reason for him to be there, the more suspicious people get of him. But there actually yeah. was a reason. Yeah. He could hear it. Right. Right. Uh, so last book, I mean, Harry was like this in the last book as well. He headed out for Snape, perhaps because Snape is head of house for Slytherin and also the way Snape acts kind of, <laughs> again, uh, reinforces this. And with some secrets. Yeah. And this caricature of like, uh, so, okay, I was backing up. So the point I'm trying, I'm going to make is that 
um, these secrets kind of really in this book complexify our characters a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did see glimpses of complexity in book one, but even more so in book two, there's like a lot you're like, wow, these are humans with, we know that Harry has baggage, but like all of these other characters um, become more prominent in like they are people and it's really messy. So that's why single stories or stereotyping or these like broad categorizations of people is very dangerous mm -hmm. um, because if that's like how you're operating and you're continuing to think that, so you have Snape, he, uh, well, Harry also didn't like Malfoy that much, but mm -hmm. like didn't have a reason to accuse him of anything. And then this book, uh, there's lots of things happening and part of it, and again, part of it with the Malfoys that like paint this picture of who that family is, is the revelation that Dobby is their house elf. And so there's like it, it I don't know, it's just this very weird um, dynamic that's created. And a lot of this <laughs> um, stems from Harry Harry confronting this whole thing. And that's why it was so important in like the last scene with Dumbledore. Dumbledore talking to Harry, making Harry talk through himself of like this whole thing, like with the sorting hat and blah, 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 whatever. And then, of course, Dumbledore is like, well, the sword of Gryffindor wouldn't have presented himself itself to you and all this stuff, which is OK, but still doesn't really disrupt much. The whole uh, Slytherin is not that great or you don't belong there because mm -hmm. of all the, the, the flaws that we're going to we're going to basically highlight all the flaws of Slytherin, even though every single house, every single individual person has flaws. But the weird like um, competition and battling that is rooted in historical conflict. Salazar Slytherin, Godric Gryffindor, like the founders mm -hmm. proves to you that there's this long history and also a long legacy of secrets that continue to get passed down and warped over time i totally agree yeah so i have two directions that i'd like to go i'll pose it to you what you want to think about i wanted to think about the way that if we are all chambers of secrets the ways that we betray that right that even by the by the nature of keeping a secret we tend to act in a way that become that makes it to me potentially obvious that we have a secret like we act in weird ways so like Ginny acts weird and Percy acts weird and Dobby acts weird and Harry acts a little weird mm -hmm. and like Dumbledore can see through Tom Riddle and Harry and like the way that they speak now you can argue it's like the magic of legitimacy and like he can just see it or something like that but i think it's more than that it's body language it's it's that our actions don't make sense in light of our words because we're keeping some kind of secret and then i think the other side of that is that actually sometimes like although it can be easy to tell that somebody is telling a it has a secret or multiple secrets we can also be conned right so mm -hmm. like it it is if you if you assume that they don't have any secrets then you can rationalize a lot of the behavior away so i think like this happens a little bit to other people as we start now to dig into tom riddle's backstory like with the exception of dumbledore it seems and hagrid of course it seems like tom riddle was able to deflect essentially any uh suspicion away from himself right because mm -hmm. he cons people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's either of those two topics are really relevant to the story. Mm -hmm. What do you think? 
Well, there's a, uh, I forgot that we were also going to talk about Lockhart. So when you we were listing <laughs> out characters earlier to me today, I literally forgot about Lockhart because you were like right. Lockhart and I was like, oh yeah, that guy. Well, he's the epitome of this, mm-hmm. both sides of it, right? Yeah. That's why I find him so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, because it's weird also like how um, people, people have different positionalities. And so like part, I've said this before with Lockhart, like, I think that, I mean, it, it's so weird. It's weird to me that he has a fan club and that people are just, like, fawning over him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like that mm-hmm. element of uh, the story um, because I think it's stupid. Or, like, <laughs> you know, that sort of, like, you're blindly following this guy that, like, to other people are kind of like, he's clearly a fraud. Like, why are you falling for this stuff? And so, like, it's, it's a really tough spot to be between because, like, um, to some extent, like, you don't necessarily have to have someone as in, like extreme as Lockhart. You can have people who are, you know, charming, mm-hmm. or Tom Riddle or whatever, to mm-hmm. be in that where you have not necessarily a well, fan Lockhart club, has but kind of a certain type of charisma. I do think yeah. that charisma is often the method. A definition of charisma could be like the methods by which you uh, can con people into thinking one thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, whether it's, it's the truth or not. Yeah, it's kind of, it's messy to, or dangerous also to like think that uh, it's just messy all around. Like, because some people can have charisma, but not necessarily be wanting to con you. But Cruel with the, it, yeah. the thing is like, you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, well, I think in this book, it's particularly interesting because I think there is a version of this book in which there isn't any sort of omniscient narrative narrator or like Harry's inner monologue or having Ron state things where like you don't actually get a suspicion that Lockhart is full of it, right? There's a way to write it. If you wrote this book from Hermione's perspective or, Mm. or Molly Weasley's perspective, like how is it that they can internalize the fact that no, like he, he must be telling the truth. Like, look at, look at how like, upfront he is and like mm-hmm. he's so brave and the way he speaks and like he's boisterous and it makes yeah. it seem so real and like it must be real who would lie about something like this right, right? yeah well that's i think that's why it's so messy because like i would love to give people the benefit of the doubt but like also as a human and being a flawed human like i've had certain interactions over and over where i'm like yeah if I meet someone that gives me a reminder of that, like I'm going to latch on to that. So I'm going to go back actually to uh, talking about book one. Um, Harry, when he meets Malfoy, like the way that she writes it is that he kind of remind, or like there's this connection to Dudley. And so that sort of like, if you have like some the sort archetype. of sensitivity and you're like, okay, because that, I mean, we do this all the time. We kind of like... Um, categorize people and like we're working off of our framings and our past experiences and like the more experiences you have perhaps like the more those like little category boxes aren't so rigid where you're like hey let's gonna we're gonna put this person here and they have no chance of like Mm -hmm. being anything other than that and that's like what's messy about like harry's own story Mm -hmm. about being like the great harry potter that He's like, what do I do with this? I don't know. Right. And so part of, I think part of like Harry's uh, chamber of secrets is that like, is that, is his like, his, he doesn't really vocalize a lot of his insecurities 
which I mean, we see them a little bit more in this book of like his thoughts is particularly. But he doesn't even vocalize it to Ron and Hermione, really. No, no. And he he has to be like pulling t- Dumbledore's pulling teeth for him to even say anything like out loud about this. It's it's a very, um, it's almost kind of like suppressed, which is kind of like no, we need to like uh, process this, Harry, so that yeah. you can get through whatever it is. Well, and because Harry like in some real very real sense until the kind of the end he uh can convince himself a little bit that he is in fact the heir of slytherin right that like all these bad things are happening because he he is there mm-hmm. i think if he would have vocalized it it would have lost a lot of power but because he mm. wasn't vocalizing it he's kind of able to create these little like illusions for himself of being mm-hmm. like well Okay, I didn't I didn't actually release anything, but maybe it was my presence. Maybe it was that I could hear it that like was freeing it or something like that. Like it mm-hmm. it's kind of tricky cuz once he I think if he was able to be like, well, okay, why let me think for a second about why I can hear something. Like once Hermione figures it out, it's like, oh, you can hear cuz it it's a snake. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't controlling it at all. It was just speaking and I could hear it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But Lockhart is, I mean, yeah, Lockhart is the epitome of this. I think the other side of a similar discussion is Dobby, right? Who, like, he embodies to me the idea that you can be- you betray secrets all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, even if you are held under, like, the strictest of laws that we could imagine, which is, like, some magical, rigid law, Mm-hmm he still manages to betray the secret in some ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at the end, it's like a completely explicit betrayal. Like he like points to the diary and points to Malfoy and like, so, oh, it's yeah. just vocal. So it's like this interesting thing with secrets of like, is it just the vocalizing of a secret that gives it away? Like we know plenty of times that like you could ask somebody a question and they like roll their eyes or like blush or give away the secret. Uh, and like, yeah, it's just, and then like yeah, yeah. So Dobby is an interesting like metaphorical representation of secret keeping, what it actually looks like. Yeah, what's interesting about Dobby? So it's um, so I'm thinking about the concept of secret, mm-hmm. and so like when I was like I rambled a little bit to you earlier. Um, it's kind of weird, but like I'm. I don't know what is a secret like what counts as a secret Mm -hmm. does it have to be like something that is intentionally suppressed like you're aware of it or because there's there's a difference between like holding on to a secret and like people are full of secrets because you don't know everything about them Mm -hmm. sort of thing and so like I'm thinking about Dobby specifically like I highly doubt that Lucius Malfoy is like Dobby I'm telling you this in confidence don't tell any secrets right so it's like there, there's like a, there's a, there's secrets there's trust there's sort of like I'm so I'm criticizing Harry for like not vocalizing things that he's suppressing inside of mm-hmm. him however like there is this once you like um let people in on your secret whatever it is there is this like power thing as well of like um you can't really control whether or not it gets out yeah. there's like this element so I think of trust. what you're getting at is that there is a very fine and nebulous distinction between secrecy and privacy, right? That you, like, uh, an 
in past episodes, like I've been pretty against keeping secrets, which makes it seem like I'm like totally in favor of full transparency, right? That people should just walk around like fully transparent about all aspects of their lives. But there is clearly a trade-off to such behavior. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'd never go into those absolute types of positions. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> that's right. I know. I, yeah. yeah. There's no way for me to communicate that more right. accurately, unfortunately. So, but I think it's like really telling like, that that is the pushback. Yeah. And it, it's because, okay, so like there's two main counter arguments, I think, to like why you would want, why, so if I'm saying like you don't, you shouldn't keep secrets, mm-hmm. uh, what maybe the more explicit statement that I want to do is like you shouldn't tell lies. Uh, so there's a fine distinction there. But I think there's counterpoints where it's like, well, you should be able to own particular things about yourself and not have to publicize them. Mm-hmm. Like they can be yours and yours alone. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be value in that type of position. And then I think also like uh, pain, right? Like that, that, t- well, maybe that's where it gets more dicey for me is like um, lying or keeping secrets or otherwise doing things in order to spare somebody pain is mm-hmm. dicey for me. That's a dicey position. So that that's sort of where I start to, you know, walk back and forth in these, these things. Yeah. And I don't think there's an easy, like, um, uh, absolute, not necessarily an absolute, but like a, even if we try to refine it or qualify it with these things, like, okay, well, uh, not telling the truth to spare someone's feelings, like, under what circumstances and who is it and, like, what is what is the historical background between the parties involved and all this stuff. Because um, from, I've said this, I don't know when I said this before, but from a very, like, uh, cynical and not any faith in humanity sort of perspective that sometimes I have is one of the reasons why um, I think people might, myself included, might not share things or want some sort of privacy or not uh, walk around like with my whole self out all the time is because of a potential that that could be weaponized and used against me. Mm -hmm. And this is like my biggest, this is sorry for anyone who's like into psychology. I find psychology fascinating, but like sometimes I just get very concerned about how it's, how things are, how certain knowledge or understanding of humans can be used in manipulative ways. And that's something that I'm, super sensitive to so like for example if we're taking the diary tom riddle's diary and jenny is like pouring her little heart and soul into this Mm -hmm. and how that is directly used to manipulate her i mean part of it is like you're trying to um, establish some sort of trust and do all this stuff and you have this vulnerable girl who is willing to be open and is totally not seeing that this thing is going to harm her but it's i mean in the moment she probably feels some sort of relief of being able to talk to someone and be like can't talk to my brothers about this because they're going to tease me endlessly i don't know who her friends are really or if we see like scenes with her with other people but um it's also kind of you're in your first year like Mm -hmm. you're making new friends you're trying to establish yourself i mean i can't imagine like first year at hogwarts you're trying to like 
establish yourself or navigate it and figure out like where do I belong here and like you don't want that not only is it like she's like goofy has a crush but it's on Harry freaking Potter like the chosen one like I I can't imagine like um just how painful that was that whole experience was for her and to like come on the other to come out on the other side of it and just be like whoa yep (laughs) what is that yep what did I just go through? I think you're completely right. And I think you've nailed it in terms of what the diary can represent here, which is that the diary could, in terms of this metaphor, so obviously yeah, there's yeah. a lot of yeah, stuff yeah. going on, but the diary can represent like the danger of sharing your secrets, that if you expose yourself psychologically, it will be weaponized against you. It's not a question of if it will be. It will be weaponized against you by people. Um and then I think it, that the next step, and you've already gotten there before before I did in this conversation, is like trust, right? Uh, that when you choose to um, share your secrets, there are different outcomes. And mm-hmm. like one of the reasons why you don't, and I'm speaking like about the general you, share all of your secrets at once is because you, it's it's almost it's an exchange it trust is built mm-hmm. in this way right you you share a little bit of yourself you expose a little bit of your inner self and then a little more and then a little more and as long as you haven't been betrayed mm-hmm. you get uh, sort of you release more and more and the trust is built now as the diary kind of represents well with trust right comes a bigger betrayal more trust more betrayal mm-hmm. so like the longer that this person can put up a con the more they can weaponize and abuse you with it but it's always the fine distinction of human relationships right so set aside the diary for a second is like yeah so there there is a risk to it but there is mm-hmm. also a reward to it in the sense of like you become something else once you can vocalize certain things yeah like you, it frees you it can can free you quite quite well yeah no I agree because I think that um so (laughs) one of the one of the things that I uh distinctly remember and you probably remember as well when uh in grad school Mm -hmm. and like working with professors people commenting on like how my advisor my former advisor uh would say like oh Lynette is not tactful or whatever like you just say what you say and mean what you or whatever and to me at the time um it was it just seemed so obvious to me like why wouldn't I why wouldn't I do that like what is the point if you're not like saying what you're really saying at the expense of like keeping it nice or keeping it pleasant or not rocking the boat or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. um but I think it Yes, I'm completely there. And I think it should be put into what the environment of such that, like what it's supposed to be if you're exploring things in PhD, what what the world kind of talks about PhD is like doing this sort of free thinking and being able to, to make something new. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that necessarily, but that's how it's spoken about. And part of the reason that it's not that is because people are too tactful, right? Yeah. That they don't speak the raw truths that maybe they should be speaking. Yeah. And the, you can see why, because when people do, they get attacked. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's weaponized against them. So it's a it's a sneaky and tricky dilemma 
that plays out a lot in graduate school, in my opinion. Yeah. And just in general. Yeah, right. I mean, we've talked endlessly about social media mm-hmm. and like polishing and right. like that's I feel I mean I'm not a sociologist or anything like that but I feel like uh, there to me as someone who grew up with the internet and didn't have social media really we've talked about this before mm-hmm. like we were on aim we were like on messaging and stuff like mm-hmm. that we weren't on like we didn't grow up with Instagram right so um to have that become a thing that's created and see it evolve over time like from a person who like I would say we have like we have you know digital literacies in terms of like these platforms and how people use them and um I think that I think that people can see it but it's just it's it's very we're at this very polished state in where everything is like so take YouTube for example like YouTube is all like production quality Mm -hmm. now like that's the thing and i i'm not i mean there's no way that youtube could have stayed at early youtube stage forever because that's not part of like how things evolve (laughs) well yeah you're right (laughs) things evolve and like the more that we collectively learn how to leverage particular tools or use them over and over again Mm -hmm. like the more polished or the more like uh familiar that we'll see those things come into play in terms of like how they become like these larger institutions or whatever and so i feel like social media for me is is that is that the it's really i i find myself more uh reserved Mm-hmm. on social media than I used to yeah. and in my digital interactions. You know what happened, in my opinion? And mm-hmm. and maybe one way to interpret the evolution of these things is it went from like AIM and early Facebook, it was literally your friends. So what you did on those spaces was interact with friends. So So what I put out on Facebook or what I said on AIM or my away messages or whatever it might be, was as as if I was sitting with my friends most of the time. But when social media became something other than that, you started to add somebody as a friend who wasn't actually your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, now now it's followers. Now mm-hmm. it's it's yes. totally different. Everything. The relationship yep. has fundamentally changed. You, yep. ha- you don't have or you didn't build the relationship before social media. Mm-hmm. It, it happened simultaneously or even after. And I think what... Part of what has happened is that people realize that. Mm-hmm. And so it's fundamentally totally different. Right. So now you have, there are only two real ways, as far as I can tell, to get strangers not to attack you. <laughs> you either try to be perfect mm-hmm. or you uh, perfectly expose like a secret. Mm. So like um, you can be praised because you've produced something amazing and you can also be praised because you produce something revelatory, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like, I've had this amazing epiphany and now I feel this way about, you know, LGBTQ rights or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, or be black lives matter, whatever. So I've had this revelation. Here's my post. It goes viral. Or like I have been perfectly tailored and presenting this fake persona and it will go viral given enough time, like for Mm -hmm. some people, right. That you can be an Instagram model or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think just 
a little bit, uh, uh, a microcosm of this is the idea of the unpopular opinion subreddit is mm. quite fascinating, right? It's this place where people generally un- under anonymous uh, Reddit profiles post a, a truly unpopular opinion, which is interesting because that is almost synonymous with just a uh, nuanced opinion or a, a developing opinion. Mm. It's like people are trying to play out the ideas and that's what makes it unpopular. So we've talked so mm. much about like you, you get this frozen sense of people because nobody ex- or very few people, and I think it's increasing because we, as we learn more, because mm-hmm. we start to see through the sort of ridiculous transparency of like the perfection and actually like it is a form of lie. And then that the lie is that you've figured it all out and you have nothing else to hide. Yeah. Uh, so so like it's just starting to me to like the sh- the seas are shifting a little bit where people are like hey can you help me with this like i don't understand this you know mm. in public spaces uh, and, yeah so i mean i could go on forever about yeah. social media <laughs> but i think it's it's relevant to the yeah book. i mean i i personally have um I don't know i just i i find it really boring i find the polish and the perfection very boring and because it's the same stuff over and over and it makes me not want to participate (laughs) quite frankly because everything no it's still no okay sorry (laughs) it did it wasn't counting anymore so apparently it's just rounding but yeah um i don't know i It's it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be someone who thinks that I have to embody something. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to be in a system because when you talked about followers, that's that's what it's called. You have followers. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to be like, oh, you have a platform, no matter how big, or you should be a role model, or this, that, and whatever, and blah blah blah. And it's like. Well, I just want to, I was about to cuss right there. (laughs) I just want to just be myself and do whatever. Like it doesn't, it, it, I don't know. It's kind of. And now we've hit what you were bringing up before, which is like, but there's a trust level. So like it, there's this dangerous balance on YouTube, especially because like, uh, you, if you reveal a little more of yourself, you might actually become way more popular, but that popularity that you gain they haven't earned any of your trust. You don't know that they're not going to attack you. Yeah. Right. So like now, I think right now you have this nice sort of state or you have for a little while where like the people who show up for you uh, have developed a relationship in general and the new people joining like see the relationship and understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly because it's like well established and people are kind to each other and we're thoughtful and we're having fun and we're talking goofy theories and things like that. Um, but I think like you can see some of the pathology in people who skyrocket in popularity, like maybe the Paul brothers or whoever, where it's like, like they don't even know what, they don't know what to do because Mm -hmm. everything that they produce, like there's a cynical way of looking at it of like, well, they're just rabble rousers. So they're Mm -hmm. like, they'll just say and do whatever because like they're just trying to get more clicks, get more views. There's a non-cynical way of being like, they have no idea what to do. They, they can't expose like their inner secrets because the, the reality of their community is that they will 
that a bunch of them will attack anything that they make. So like, why put out the truth? Then you're being attacked for who you actually are. Mm -hmm. uh, possibly they already did. But like, let's just play the thought experiment out of like, maybe, maybe there are people out there who have this popularity who feel like, well, I might as well keep lying because people will attack me for the lies. I'm not going to tell them the truth about myself and get attacked for who I actually am. Yeah. I, um... Yeah. The whole it's thing, dark. the it's whole dark. thing it's is f okay? It's forensic. So, like, <laughs> I mean, it's forensic. It's the f foundable because, <laughs> like, it's. I don't know. I could. I could also talk yeah. endlessly about YouTube and. You want to go back to the book for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, what else is there to talk about? I guess maybe a couple of other secret keepers who we've danced with but haven't uh, talked much about, which are going to be Tom Riddle, mm -hmm. and Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. The big ones. One th a quote that really stuck out to me this read-through was when Dumbledore was saying to McGonagall, like, it's not a question of who, it's a question of how, but he doesn't explain himself. Like, he's not like, no, it's clearly Voldemort. It's none of our students. Like, we, I know exactly who is opening this. Yeah. Because uh, it's when Harry's in the... I think Harry overhears him when he's in the hospital wing. That's when the conversation happens. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's many things. So, like, uh, Harry not telling Ron and Hermione, like, what he thinks about, like, the whole snake situation mm -hmm. or, like, thinking he's the heir of Slytherin or whatever. And then we have this Dumbledore thing, which I can't, I just can't understand. This happened? When, what did this happen? Um, was it Hermione? Something happened, I don't remember if it was book one or book two, where Hermione doesn't tell... Oh, no, it was me in a previous episode criticizing Hermione for, like, uh, Lockhart, her, like, obsession with Lockhart. And if she actually did have any doubts, like, she could have vocalized that to him. And you said to me, well, maybe they'll make fun of her. And it's like, yeah, I didn't consider that. But, like, Dumbledore, I'm sorry, no excuse for me. Like, McGonagall, Professor McGonagall, of people that you have entrusted with, like, secrets or anything who's or who is also brilliant or who can help you or whatever, like, it makes no sense to me. Like, what do you gain from, like, silently, like, trying to figure this out on your own? Or, like, that's the thing that, that drives me crazy. Like, you have brilliant people. Don't try to be, like, the hero or be the one that's trying to figure it out at the end. Yeah, like, and this is not the last gosh. time that he will do this, right? Like, like, he is a secret keeper. And eventually, he literally is the secret keeper in the Order of the Phoenix, like, uh, and beyond. So there's this... He gets that title and it's well earned, right? Because yeah. he, it is part of his biggest flaw is that he keeps secrets and he justifies it. But in my opinion, it's because he thinks very low of other wizards yeah. and he also enjoys being enigmatic. Yeah. Like, you want credit for this. You want to be the person that, like, I can't stand that. Like, mm -hmm. that's the whole thing that I just, I find it very, sure, I will give it to you. You are brilliant. But, like, that doesn't mean that you couldn't be more brilliant mm -hmm. without working with, with other people. a little people. bit of truth telling. Stop yeah. being a secret that's holder. Right. Like, you're, don't that's try right. to go for glory. It makes me so angry. It does. Because, like, in real life, like, that stuff makes me angry as well. Like, come on. It's not that, you're not that special. Like, 
general people of the world including myself right, like right, 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 like right, it's right. you're so much better humans are so much better when they're working with each other that's right like i'm it's a, a multiplicative relationship as an, for as an sure. absolute for yeah. my it's not even additive it's 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 much better than that yeah yeah i think it's a uh, dumbledore man oh he is the character for me. It's just the he's. I have the most complicated relationship with Dumbledore. I don't. Yeah. At times, I just absolutely love him, and at times, I am so exasperated by him. <laughs> and it's like, man, how? Mm. What are you? T- you're you're standing with teachers in a hospital wing. A student has just been attacked, and you are gonna be cryptic. Yep. <laughs> Come on, guy, get out of here. Come get on, guy. out of town. Yeah. Um, he, and I think the, the, the argument is that he plays a long game, Mm -hmm. plays a long game. He doesn't show his hand. He's in this, it's like he, he plays this role in this story of Kingmaker, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a 4d chess game and him and Tom Riddle are playing against each other and everyone else is just a bunch of pawns, Mm -hmm. uh, or whatever type of piece that isn't the king, right? And so it's this, you can argue that like the outcome is good yeah. uh, when all is said and done, but that's not an argument that says that there were no other good outcomes or even better outcomes that could have happened with a little bit of uh, openness. Because then when it comes around in the fifth book, when he will be a pariah for the wizard, he Dumbledore will mm-hmm. be a pariah. Well, it's like, man, hey, man, maybe if you told people a little bit more about Tom Riddle and Voldemort earlier on, they would have believed you, yeah. right? That is, we'll get to it, I guess, but it's just occurring to me in the moment of exactly what, that there's groundwork on both sides of this. Yes, Voldemort is a good liar and a good secret keeper of his own side, but it is it is uh, he is often aided un maybe unwittingly by Dumbledore not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to the Horcruxes, like I think that J.K. Rowling resolves this and says like, well, Dumbledore had to do this because if he did, if he said like, hey everyone, Daily Prophet article, like look around for magical objects, yeah. like Voldemort <laughs> made them into Horcruxes, like yeah, <laughs> it's. <laughs> that that would somehow be problematic and Voldemort would just move them all and it would make it much more harder, much harder to to actually get them. But we're getting beyond ourselves, but I think that's kind of the point of of doing this uh, podcast as explicitly a reread or like Mm -hmm. a re-engagement with the story. I know we have some new engagers with the story and that's great. Mm -hmm. So uh, you'll hopefully make sense of what we're saying later. But I think there's something there. I mean, Dumbledore, man. I love Dumbledore and I hate Dumbledore. He he is just so annoying sometimes. It's like, man, yeah. say what you mean. Well, yeah, because I don't. It 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 comes off condescending, pretentious to me. Like you're you're not that special, dude. You are, but you're not really. Call in Coach McGonagall. <laughs> That's the best part in Book Seven of getting Aberforth finally. I mean, like mm. it, he's such the counterpunch. Mm. It's like. No, he's always been this way. Mm-hmm. He's hurt so many people. Mm-hmm. He will always be this way. Mm-hmm. He is a manipulator. He is using you. It doesn't mean he's not using you to go- good ends. And yep. I am, in fact, a supporter of the ends in the ultimately Aberforth is. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that Aberforth agrees with the means at all. Yeah. Um, and he has good reason, of course. 
but of course it's gray. I mean, it's <laughs> that's what makes it interesting. It's like mm-hmm. you could, cl- I could, I personally could take the complete opposite stance and be like, well, Dumbledore had literally no choice. If he did it things differently, like this is the uh, end of Infinity War, mm-hmm. you know, end game, like <laughs> one out of a billion or whatever. Yeah. But we'll never know. No, we won't. Because he's dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on? Oh, my gosh. Any other secret stuff we should talk about secrets i mean i don't know it's clearly a complicated topic because there's not really i mean as most things are for like being a human there's not really an answer of like what is the best way to do this (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be a human to keep or what kinds of secrets should be kept under which circumstances should you share secrets um under which circumstances should you expose secrets mm-hmm. that are, you know, that's like Not a different yours, tone uh, that are like to begin with, uh, right. Dobby, for example, like, mm-hmm. uh huh, that's right. So, or yeah, there's some, yes, that's why I think anything like that. She, uh, she, J.K. Rowling pointed us to what the book, what the book summary should be about <laughs> <laughs> secrets, right? There's some, it's uh-huh. a theme for the book, it's a theme for all the books, but this one is really clear. Mm-hmm. Because of how much the internal struggle for Harry is about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. We talked about Ginny. We talked a little bit about Percy. I was thinking about Fred and George and how much of a relief and foil they often present uh, because they are pretty open. But then later we do find like quite a bit of depth of character to both of them that like their openness isn't, it's not a front, but it's not. Uh, clearly not their entirety of how they think and feel about things. Um, we talked a little bit about Ron. I think Hermione as well, like with Lockhart, but in general, like Hermione is, Hermione strikes often, as is often in these books for me, like the most delicate and precise balance of how she acts and treats people. She is blunt when she needs to be. She is sophisticated when she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, she makes some mistakes, but she will uh, remedy them eventually. Mm-hmm. That seems to be her MO, and it makes her, in my opinion, like the most clear hero. I think Harry as well, uh, as we go through the books, like his moral compass seems to, it wavers a little bit, but he struggles. It is the struggle that makes Harry interesting and compelling mm-hmm. as a moral guide because we get to sense his moral struggle of being like, gosh like what if it's me you know Mm -hmm. and it is exactly that type of struggle that I think is the most interesting and where I tend to go with these types of discussions is like well there are no hard and fast rules and because there are no hard and fast rules to when you should keep secrets or be transparent or be private or keep other people's secrets or expose them or whatever like you need to go case by case it's a constant consideration Mm-hmm. You know, how honest should I be in this precise moment? Why wouldn't I be? And why, why should I be? And I think, like, it's dicey. I tend to, on principle, try to start from the truth, but I don't always tell it either. So it's at least not the whole truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Pathologies are bad. <laughs> Pathologies are very bad. <laughs> pathological truth telling isn't exactly (laughs) great pathological lying is pretty bad too so it's somewhere in between is a good place to be Mm -hmm. and to be even thoughtful about being in between is maybe even better 
we haven't even talked about what truth means. Yeah, That's we a whole never will. Other, <laughs> other <laughs> hour episode. <laughs> hour plus. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. You so, you yeah, happy I'm, with that? I'm good. All right. Well, we'll start Prisoner of Azkaban oh, yeah. next week. Get your Prisoner of Azkaban. We'll have to ready. find it. Maybe a new intro song. Oh, oh. boy. Um, yeah, the event is starts tomorrow, and yep. then there's also the weekend event is next weekend. Uh, yeah, the Wizarding weekend. That makes sense. Doesn't overlap with the Brilliant. No, right, does not. Well, good. Hopefully, we see a lot of people there. Yep. Until next time, one's ready. ready.